This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, diaper rashes, and other types of skin damage. I discovered Active Skin Repair and their baby spray from my community when our daughter was a newborn and had constant diaper rashes, and it really helped and continues to help. Containing hypochlorous acid, which is an effective option for helping with yeast diaper rashes, we just spray or dab active skin repair onto the skin with a clean cloth or cotton ball let's sit for 15 seconds and then apply our balm or ointment of choice with over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews you now have one simple solution for all of your family's skin health needs visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and to get 20% off your order using code PEDSDOC that's p-e-d-s-d-o-c If we think positively and hopefully, I'm not saying that this automatically means good things are going to happen, but it does bring hope and healing into a difficult situation which everyone can benefit from as we go through something hard like an illness, no matter the severity of the illness. And remember, hope and healing does not mean that you cannot be worried. It does not mean that you cannot be stressed or sad. It doesn't mean that when someone asks you, oh, how are you doing with so-and-so at home, you know, being sick or in the hospital, that you have to say, oh, it's freaking wonderful. It's going to be fine. Life is great. No, you can admit that it's very, very hard, but also tell yourself that although this is hard, I will get through it in my own time because we do. We are incredibly powerful human beings and our minds are even more powerful if we know how to be compassionate towards ourselves and the signals it's showing us. Hello and welcome back to the show and another episode of the Finding Joy series. If you haven't listened to any of these episodes, every month I tackle a topic in parental mindfulness. I go through tough situations we go through as parents and especially as mothers that can rob us of our joy and strategies to navigate them. I believe that parenting goes more than teaching you what to do for your kids, you know, with picky eating or tantrums or sleep. It's also helping guide you and learn from each other through the ups and downs we go through as mothers and as parents. So welcome to the Pete's Doc Talk podcast and the Finding Joy series. Remember, if you love this episode or any episode, one, leave a review, please. This is how more people find this episode and the podcast and how it continues to grow. And number two, share it on social media, tag me, share it with a friend. This is also how people discover the podcast. Now let's get to this episode. This was a topic I've been meaning to do for a while. You know, we are talking about finding joy, health, anxiety, a highly requested topic. I'm recording this in November, 2022, more than two years into the pandemic, and we are seeing a large spread of common childhood viruses. And I'm going to go over in this episode, why health anxiety is so common and difficult and the different aspect of illness in our children that give us frustration, worry, anxiety, and how to reframe and navigate these very difficult feelings, but very normal feelings. Remember the Finding Joy series is not therapy, but it does give you tools to practice reframing how we look at stress, anxiety, and difficult but normal emotions. So my story with health anxiety and our son Ryan goes back to his birth. We had a traumatic delivery with ICU stays for both me and Ryan. And for those of you unfamiliar with this story, you can find it on my website and I'll probably put it in the show notes as well. So we emotionally and physically healed as one could after such an event. And 
when Ryan got his first viral illness at 14 months, and I know some of you listening may be like, wow, I have an infant who's sick right now. Well, remember we had Ryan in the pandemic, so it may seem kind of late, but thanks to the pandemic and nobody getting together and very minimal social activities, he didn't get sick in his first year of life. And we also had a nanny. So 14 months when he got sick, he got a virus that also caused croup. And boy, did this experience trigger my postpartum experience. I remember walking into his room when he woke up sick and immediately seeing flashes of the NICU and sounds of the monitor going off. I mean, this new illness was triggering a traumatic experience, a time where we were all very vulnerable. And this was being triggered by another vulnerable health experience, the unknown, the uncertainty, what's going to happen? Is he going to be back in the hospital? I mean, flood of emotions that brought me back to the NICU and also caused me to kind of go into the spiral. And this is common for many NICU families, the grief and worry of illnesses to come. You spend so much time in the hospital, whether it was a day, months, and then you go home. You don't have any monitor, you don't have any nurses, and then your child gets sick for the first time. And it really can bring you back to those flood of emotions. The flashbacks, you know, we are programmed to be on high alert after a real threat. Real threat meaning your child was in the NICU. Maybe your child almost died. I mean, there's a real threat there. And our baby being sick in the hospital is that threat. Ryan was in the NICU, you know, hello, a threat to safety. Hello, health anxiety. And now our brains are looking for threats. So when he got sick again, it really kind of brought us back to that moment of, oh my gosh, is something going to happen? Our brain is wanting to protect us and our family. Now, this health anxiety is common for many, regardless if your child was in the NICU, the hospital or not, it doesn't matter, you know, or if they had any major medical issues. Remember when we talk about anxiety, this is a feeling of fear, dread, worry, or uneasiness. It's a feeling, it's not who you are. And sometimes I think we let anxiety define us. Anxiety is protective. I think also we feel like it's this bad thing, but anxiety is something that protects us, you know? So if you're outside playing on the street with your child and all of a sudden you hear a car speeding, even if it's not coming near you, you're going to look around. You're going to make sure that there's no threat to your immediate safety. This anxiety is telling you to get your kid out of the street. So anxiety exists to protect us from threats in our environment, threats to our health and our safety. And health illness anxiety is somewhat part of this. You know, many worry about the health of their child because this is their safety. Health and safety are the basics of what we want to provide our children. Yes, people may say, you know, I want them to thrive developmentally, this and that. But at the core, we want our children to have safety and health. This is the essentials I think every parent wants for their child and everything else is a bonus. But when you have threats to this, especially in a global pandemic, especially coming out of a pandemic and we're seeing all these viruses, it can really feel very heavy. But I want to be very direct here. Although we have the amazing ability to imagine all sorts of possible dangers with our brains, we are unable to control every outcome with our mind. So although you may worry about the health and safety of your child, it's important to accept that we can control only what we can and that we cannot protect ourselves or our children completely from pain, illness, or suffering. This acceptance doesn't make us dismissive of threats. This acceptance means acknowledging the reality of a situation and accepting our human limits of control. I can't control every illness my child will get or health outcome, but I sure as heck can be hopeful, mindful, and focus on what I can control, which I'll get into those three things at the end of the episode. 
I'm a pediatrician. My husband is an ER doctor. And we had the unfortunate experience of having a traumatic birth for our son. And he ended up having a stroke and seizures because of that traumatic delivery. It took us that experience and parenting and working as physicians in a global pandemic to really reframe how we approach illness and threats to our health. Because we both realized that living in fear and dread 24-7 would not be sustainable both in our personal lives and in our professions as healers and healthcare workers. Health threats would be constant in our lives and our son went through it, I went through it, and we see patients deal with this in a global pandemic and even before or beyond. So after my son's first illness and me having those flashbacks, which my husband had as well, I continued my mindfulness practice work, tips that I will mention in this episode. But I also encourage all of you listening that if you are feeling overwhelmed with fear and anxiety related to the health of your child, that you seek therapy. If you can't sleep because of the worry, you can't leave your house. You can't see other human beings. If you are struggling with activities of daily living related to the anxiety, no podcast, book, or blog will be the only way through this. You want sustained therapy and mental health support to guide you on the progress to having anxiety work for you and not against you. Because remember, anxiety isn't in a feeling is not a bad thing. It's when it becomes all consuming that we really want to address it. When we look at health anxiety and anxiety in general, we can feel very negative feelings towards it. Gosh, why am I so worried? Ah, oh, this sucks. Negative self-talk, all that stuff that we tell ourselves, you know, negative words that just commonly come out when we're dealing with anxiety. When you feel anxious, rather than getting upset at yourself, have some compassion for yourself. Get curious and ask yourself, what is the threat here? Is it real? Is it perceived? With health anxiety, it could be a real threat, yes. But then you have to also ask yourself, what is the risk here? Take RSV, for example. RSV is respiratory syncytial virus. It is a reality. It's always been a reality. We've seen RSV for as long as I've been a pediatrician and more. It's not a new illness. And your brain can look at RSV and say, wow, yeah, this is not something I want my child to get that I want to get. I'm going to limit sick visitors. I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to do my best here. Or your brain can choose to say, wow, this is a threat. This is a threat. This is a threat. This is a problem. This is bad. This is doom. This is doom. Everyone dies with RSV. Everyone gets hospitalized with RSV. When posed with a health threat, we tend to want to go to the worst case scenario. This is especially true if your brain has been programmed to look for the worst case scenario, something that my husband actually did a lot of before having my son Ryan and then also after his delivery. And we have to undo that. But when you look at something like RSV, you're looking at the media, you're hearing all these horror stories. These things are important to know so that you take the precautions that you can humanely take in your life. You think about what are the risk reduction strategies that I can do. But you also have to remember the overall big picture. RSV, the hospitalization rate is five out of 100,000 people and 2.4 deaths out of 100,000. This statistic is not to be dismissive of the lives lost or the burden of having your child be hospitalized. I've had a hospitalized child. I know that if someone was like, oh, Mona, you know, children with strokes, like do this, that or the other. It, it doesn't feel good. But I also think that it's important to see optimistic things, to see hope, to understand that getting a diagnosis or having this happen to your child is an automatic negative doom sentence. And it's important to have this sort of reframe. So if your child does get sick, let's use the RSV example, saying to yourself, my child has RSV. And although I know there may be some non-favorable outcomes, I'm going to be by my child's side 
through this and hope for the best. If we think doom, we're going to feed doom. And also it doesn't help in being mindful in the moments that our child needs us and in the moments we need to get through those difficult times. If we think there's no hope, there's no hope. We have to change our mindset to kind of say, hey, I am in a tough situation. I am not dismissing the fact that my child is sick and I'm stressed and I feel all these feelings that I'm feeling. But I also have to be in the moment right now so that we can all get through this as a family. If we think positively and hopefully, I'm not saying that this automatically means good things are going to happen, but it does bring hope and healing into a difficult situation, which everyone can benefit from as we go through something hard, like an illness, no matter the severity of the illness. And remember, hope and healing does not mean that you cannot be worried. It does not mean that you cannot be stressed or sad. It doesn't mean that when someone asks you, oh, how are you doing with so-and-so at home, you know, being sick or in the hospital, that you have to say, oh, it's freaking wonderful. It's going to be fine. Life is great. No, you can admit that it's very, very hard, but also tell yourself that although this is hard, I will get through it in my own time because we do. We are incredibly powerful human beings and our minds are even more powerful if we know how to be compassionate towards ourselves and the signals it's showing us. After Ryan's first illness at 14 months, he went through a lot of back-to-back illnesses. And with every illness, my NICU flashbacks got better. And a lot of it was me remembering the following. And I want you to remember this too. As a pediatrician, mom, and podcaster, I want to share with you a podcast I recently discovered. It's called Understood Explains, and this season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. I listened to an episode called The Difference Between IEPs and 504 plans, and I learned so much that I honestly didn't know before. I now feel I can better explain these to my patients and their families and better support them in their neurodiversity journey. Navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences can be confusing, and this podcast helps to validate these struggles and provide actionable tips that are useful for parents, teachers, and clinicians. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood explains. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with factors, no prep, no mess meals. Chef crafted meals with options like calorie smart, protein plus, and keto. Factors fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust. I absolutely love the spicy jalapeno, lime cheddar chicken, and mushroom chicken thighs with wild rice. Keep kitchen time to a minimum with factor meals because they're ready in two minutes. No shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleanup. I work from home and love the convenience and how delicious factor meals are. Head to factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 and use code pedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code pedsdoctalk50 at factormeals.com slash pedsdoctalk50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Number one, I can't control every outcome in my life and my son's life. I mean, this is obvious, but I think we try so hard to control, control outcomes, control health, control our child's trajectory. And similar to Ryan's delivery with his stroke and seizures, I had a healthy pregnancy and I did everything quote unquote right. But unfortunately we had a traumatic delivery. 
And as I started to realize, you know, I know that we did our best and that we cannot control everything. Ryan's delivery awakened something in me that says, I'm doing my best and my best is good enough. And sometimes there's going to be hard times. Sometimes I'm going to get sick. Sometimes it's going to happen, but I am going to do everything I can that's in my control. Letting go of this control again, doesn't cause you to get permissive. It allows you to remember that you are human and you cannot control every aspect of your outcome or your child's outcome, but you make choices that are sustainable. And that makes sense to you with the information and resources that you have. Number two, I'm doing my best with the resources I have. For example, I had to send my son to childcare and we still continue to send him. And I was working full time. My husband was working full time. We needed the help. And so, so many of us could say, okay, well, if I kept my child home, if I was a stay at home mom, or if we had a nanny at home, then he wouldn't be in school. He wouldn't be getting sick all the time. But we know that when children are around other children, illnesses happen. So you have to look at the resources that you have and accept that and say, well, I need to do what I need to do. I'm doing my best. I have to send my child to childcare. It's important for us because we need to work and someone needs to watch my son that's responsible. And that is okay. Now, yes, with that, it could mean illnesses and I'll get into how to reframe and remember this, but it's important to know that your resources are individual to you. You could look at your friend down the street that has two nannies for each of their children and is able to keep their kids home until they're five, but that is their life. That is their resources. That doesn't mean that what you're doing, your child getting sick back to back is a negative. This is their immune system working, which brings me to number three. I hate these illnesses. I did. Okay. Like the back-to-back illnesses, especially that first year of childcare was really, really hard. I remember being in tears so many times because I was missing work. My son was sick. I just felt like nothing was going right. It felt very overwhelming. And you're just worried about your child. You're worried about your job. You're worried about everything. You're to have no stability. And I'll get into all those things that make us stressed um, when our children are sick. But with every illness, we would remind ourselves, his immune system is learning. This reframe was actually very helpful when it was going back to back. And it doesn't take away from the fact, again, that those back to backs were really hard, that we were missing work, that he was sick, the fever, the worry, but it really helps to kind of know that, okay, this is normal. I'm going to look out for what I need to look out for. I'm going to make sure that I'm not missing anything. And that's the stuff that I'll get into, but it's really important to remember that this is actually very, very common for children when they start group childcare. And we did see an increase in viral transmission. Once the pandemic kind of locked down kind of ended and everyone was kind of coming together again, we saw a lot of these childhood viruses transmit more. You know, we just felt like it was happening more because yes, kids were getting together for the first time in a year. And so then you're going to see sickness, but the reframe can be very helpful. Number four, that can really help when you're trying to, you know, think about reframing and getting through these illnesses. I know what to look out for in this illness. This is what I'm trying to do with Pete's Doc Talk to educate all of you on when to be concerned. I know that it's such a nuanced discussion. I know that your feelings and comfort may be different from someone else's, but it's important to know that if your child has a fever, croup, bronchiolitis, whatever it is, when do I need to see a physician? When do I need to go to the hospital? And this is what I hope to continue to do. Now, as a pediatrician, I will say, 
say that, yes, having this knowledge when Ryan is sick is helpful. But what was not helpful is knowing all the rarities, right? The children who don't do so well with the illnesses. My husband sees the worst scenarios in the ER, but we had to really remember and lean in on the positive stories. The fact that children do recover from illnesses, the fact that we did our best to reduce risk, but illness happens. We can't control every virus that comes into our life, but we can control what we're looking out for, what we're doing in the moment with our child. And number five, if he does get sick, I'm a physician and my husband is a physician and we know that modern medicine can do so much right now and we will get him the help he needs if he needs that formal medical help. This is huge to me. And I bring this up not to, again, say, okay, your kid gets sick. Don't worry that we have a hospital. That's not what this means. This means that I don't want any child in a hospital if I can avoid it. I hated Ryan being in the NICU. I love the NICU people. Don't get me wrong. I love the staff, but I do not like being in a hospital, even though I'm a physician. I don't like it. It's not fun for anybody. It's not an easy experience. But I also know that sometimes it's the best place we need to be to heal. And although it may seem daunting, and I want you to go home as soon as possible, modern medicine can really help us compared to centuries ago. So when you find that your child is sick, what I want you to focus on is my child is sick. What do they need now? What am I going to help them with? What do I need to know in terms of when my child needs to get seen, when they need to go to an ER or the doctors again? And also leaning in and understanding that if I need formal help, it's there. You are not alone. I feel like so much of health anxiety and anxiety in general comes from the fact that we feel isolated in this experience. And the Finding Joy series is about that, to know and make you feel like you are not alone because you're not. We are all going through very similar experiences and know that you have a support team, whether it's your pediatrician, whether it's a hospital, whether it's your friend, you have that support. When we have health anxiety, we often go down the rabbit hole, worst case scenarios, Google searches, reading stories of sad outcomes. I remember when my son got his stroke and seizure diagnosis, I chose to surround myself with positive stories, stories of survival, stories of hope, stories of healing, stories of children who went on to lead a very normal life. This doesn't mean that I lived in my, with my head in the clouds where I knew that the other stories didn't exist. I'm a pediatrician. I know that they do. I know that there are not so great outcomes with certain diagnoses. I know outcomes aren't always roses and butterflies. In my career, I've seen the most dire of situations, freak accidents, negative outcomes from conditions, etc. But I have also seen miraculous recoveries. I've seen hope. I've seen kids overcome some horrible illnesses or accidents and walk out of hospitals like nothing ever happened. So I chose to focus on hope. So I asked myself, why are parents so much more anxious about health anxiety than years past? What is going on? You know, I feel that there's more tension, fear and anxiety, and I am on social media. So I hear a lot of concerns, but I also feel that it's happening in my office. I feel like there's just more tension in parenting and the health of our children. And I do think we have the pandemic to thank for this. For two years, we have been programmed to avoid a threat, COVID, okay? Avoid COVID, hand wash, mask, vaccinate, vaccinate. COVID is bad, COVID is bad. If people got COVID, especially early on, right? We thought that they weren't doing enough, that they weren't social distancing. There was this hierarchy of, oh, you are not doing this right. I'm better, you're worse. Our brains have been told to fear, 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 fear COVID. And the media is also to blame, okay? But to some degree, this was important so that we made choices to reduce risk. But remember, 
It's reducing risk. You cannot eliminate all risks when it comes to a viral illness or illness in general. But if it becomes all consuming, right, this fear and affecting life now, the anxiety has now tipped over to becoming unsustainable and unhelpful. We cannot completely avoid risk when it comes to respiratory virus. When I say completely avoid, the only way you can completely avoid getting sick is that if you stay home and never see another human, anybody in your family. I've said this before. That's the only way. But we're human beings. We're social creatures. We have to see other people at some point. And so with that comes the risk of human spread of contact of illness, you know, and it's a reality. We can reduce risk, however, you know, we can do the hand hygiene, we can take the precautions, but we have to accept that we cannot completely reduce it. This is important so that you do what's in our control and let go of what's not. And it's also important to remove guilt because if you think that you do X, Y, and Z and you will not get sick or your children will not get sick, and then you do, you feel like a failure. Common during the Omicron surge in December, 2021 and beyond when everybody who had never had COVID or maybe got the vaccine, started getting COVID and felt like a failure. I got DMs like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe my family's going through this. We took every precaution. I feel like a failure. You are not a failure if you get sick. You are not a failure if your child gets sick. You are a human living amongst humans, doing your best. Remember that. I asked my followers on Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram why their kids getting sick was stressful or anxiety provoking for them. And I got some really great responses and I want to normalize some of the major ones here and offer some reframing. Number one was feeling like you're waiting for the other shoe to drop when there's so much illness around. Ugh, I feel this so strongly. The hardest thing is that I work clinically as a pediatrician, as you all know, and I see all the freaking illnesses circulating. And I see some kids do really well, some need the hospital, and I know every single virus circulating in the community, and I'm also waiting for the other shoe to drop. When Ryan is healthy and I'm in my office, I'm like, oh gosh, are these gonna reach his preschool or his soccer practice? And when you're feeling this, right? When your child is healthy and you're watching the news or you're on social media and you're hearing people say, you know, this this virus and this, I want you to remember the now. Your kid is healthy, you are healthy. It's okay to enjoy the healthy moments and celebrate. We are human beings. If you are waiting for the other shoe to drop and choose to avoid all social activities, that's your choice. But is that a sustainable plan for you? Maybe you focus on avoiding unnecessary indoor activities to reduce risk. So we know that viruses spread more likely in an indoor setting where there's poor ventilation versus an outdoor party. So if you are concerned about the viral spread right now, but you still want social activity, maybe you keep the social activities small. Maybe you keep it outdoors. Maybe you only hang with friends and have a pack to keep sick kids at home. I mean, if we could all do this, that would be great, right? Like if your child wakes up and is cranky, has like a hundred temp, even though that's not a fever, you can can probably assume that they're not feeling well and maybe keep them home that day. But if you're waiting for the other shoe to drop, you can miss out on the healthy moments, which are really beautiful moments, which is what mindfulness is and what I like to talk about on these Finding Joy episodes, celebrating the now and being aware of the past and future, but not letting that consume your thoughts in the present. Number two, this was a very common one that was brought up on my Instagram account, the uncertainty of illness and repetitive illness. This was a huge one. And many mentioned that it just lacks any predictability. And this can go into many facets. You know, our kid being sick in itself is super stressful. The back to back. Is it something I need to be concerned about? 
is it the same illness? Is it a new illness? Like seriously, what the heck is going on? And I'm linking another podcast episode about back-to-back illnesses and why kids were getting sick a lot, especially, you know, in January. And I'm going to, I want you to listen to that too, if you haven't already. But with uncertainty, it's also the uncertainty of missing work. This can be a huge stress for many of us who are working parents. And I had this a lot in 2021. I was out of sick days by July because of my own health issues with IVF and also Ryan's repetitive illnesses. And my husband doesn't get sick days the way his job works. So it kind of fell on me to take the time off. So I had to go unpaid. And with this, you kind of have to start to really have conversations, especially if you have a partner. One, you have to have discussions on who is going to be the one to call out in the setting of an illness so that it's equitable. So it seems fair, right? Sometimes one job can be more flexible or maybe one job has more sick days. So thinking of that is important. Number two is speaking to your employer. Some are just not understanding. And I respect that. I get that that's not easy for some employers and employee situation, but knowing the sick policy, knowing the work from home policy, if that's an option and being clear that your child is in childcare and what this means. Number three is enlisting the help of someone in good health, willing to help out. This could be a hired nanny, a family member. This can be hard since the child is sick, but Backup does exist and you can utilize these people, right? At your own comfort. Ideally, it should be someone trusted because of course, since your child is sick and that person should also be told that your child is sick. You do not want to ever tell a hired help or a family member that, hey, come watch my kid. And then your kid is spiking 104s and that person is now at risk of getting whatever your child has, right? Don't hide that from them. But you will be surprised that some people are very open to it. They're okay. You have to just be very clear about what's happening and utilizing those resources. The other reason why this uncertainty can be so hard is the uncertainty surrounding childcare. And this can be twofold. If you get sick, having to care for a child is tough. So if you're sick, it's very hard taking care of a sick kid. I understand that. And number two, if your child is sick, that's actually can be really tiring for you. And sometimes you need a break. I know, you know, we as moms and parents, like we do so much, but sometimes you're drained, you know, the food refusal, the sleep refusal, the worry, it gets to you. And sometimes parents feel bad for admitting this, but I get it. It's draining taking care of someone sick and also being sick, all of it. So when we think about the uncertainty, not only are we thinking about your child being sick and what that means for them, you know, the repetitive illness, do you need to be worried, all of that. But there is also reality of all the other factors that we are doing as working parents, the lack of sick days, the who's going to take time off, who's going to watch my kid, I am freaking tired. And really coming up with a plan with your partner, if you have one, or talking about options for hired help, if that's an option for you. And if it's not speaking to your employer about the reality of the situation. So you don't have that work guilt. I know so many of us have been there, right? Like, oh my gosh, I have to call out again as a pediatrician. It means that I have to reschedule all of my patients who've been waiting to see me. You know, they were planning on seeing me on whatever day that they scheduled and now I can't come and you feel bad, but you also have to be there for your child. So removing the guilt, saying that you are doing the best that you can and coming up with a plan that makes sense for your family. Another topic that people on my Instagram had said that makes them very frustrated or stressed about when their child is sick is changes in your child's behavior, you know, sleeping, eating, overall demeanor. Now, this is so tough. Let's not deny the fact that when your child's not themselves, even when you're not yourself, it's not fun. I mean, I recently recovered from the same virus my son had and I got it and I was like, man, after I got it, I was like, wow, he must have been so miserable, but he did pretty good. Like it was 
an awful cough. You just felt achy. Like it was not fun. And as parents, this is so hard. We love seeing our kids playful and healthy and happy. And that's not anything that I think anyone of us will disagree on. There's nothing wrong with wanting them to be in good health, but we know that illness is tough for us and it's tough for them. But remember that they are healing. Their body is creating memory here to fight illnesses. Their immune system's getting so strong. And I said this already, but this is important so that when you're in these moments, I remember being there with my husband and I would be so stressed and tired and I would be crying due to the repetitive illnesses. And my husband would just sigh and say, he's got this. We got this. His body is learning and fighting and we will help him. It's hard, but remember this is fleeting. They will sleep again. They will eat again. Focus on what they need now and what you need to get through these illnesses. Another thing that we commonly talk about is unsure of when to be concerned and your child not communicating or you missing something. I know parents don't believe that they have it, but in my 10 years of training and practicing as a pediatrician, I've learned the power of parental instinct. Trust yourself and educate yourself. And I hope my platform will help you with the latter, right? Knowing when to be concerned, understanding that if your child's not communicating, you know, if they're not hydrated, if they're not breathing well, if those fevers are persistent, those are all signs, right? But if you really step back, I know you know what you're doing. And I've seen this. I've seen mothers come into my office and they're like, hey, I wasn't sure. And I just wanted to bring him in. And I said, hey, I'm really happy you did. The worst thing you do is bring your child in to be seen. Meaning just say your intuition is telling you something is wrong and your child looks okay, maybe a little unwell, but things are going to be fine. You brought them in, right? But if your gut is telling you, Hey, something's still not right. My child's not getting better. I want you to listen to your gut and get help. We want to see you. We want to make sure that we are listening to you and it's important that you are heard. The other thing that was commonly brought up on my Instagram page about why illnesses are so tough is guilt and guilt can show up in many different ways. Number one, it's the guilt that we're not doing enough or that we didn't do enough. Remember that we can only control so much. If we could control everything, nobody would ever get sick, hurt or feel pain. But as humans, we will all experience this. Your child, yourself, everybody, we're not immune to struggle. You are doing enough. You did enough. It's not your fault. Yes, you could pinpoint maybe a social event, et cetera, you know, but what good is this going to do now when you're sick or your child is sick to point fingers at, oh, this is where it happened. It doesn't change the outcome that your child is now sick. And you have probably attended many events and never got sick. So why are you putting yourself in that blame cycle? Instead, use that energy and focus on what your child needs now. Feed any anger or disappointment you have into healing. We often want to focus on where it came from or go down the rabbit hole on what's going to happen. Focus on comforting your child, how you would want to be comforted if you were sick. Instead of searching the internet for what might be wrong or sitting with your child, but feeling distracted by your worries, choose to bring your attention to the present moment. Move your distracted energy into being with your child, being the presence to help them heal. So you can all go back to playing and fun. It's okay to feel guilt and anger, but channel it into good and healing. Are you looking for something different to entertain your kids? Check out a new podcast for children. Mysteries about true histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, is a weekly show full of time travel puzzles, hidden equations, history, and lots of laughs. Math is geared towards kids six and up, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. I love how the episodes are under 20 minutes, which was perfect for our drive to school. And my four-year-old really loved the episode, The Pirate Queen. 
Every episode follows two best friends, Max and Molly, who work together to solve riddles and math equations during their time-traveling adventures. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras' ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and so much more. New episodes drop every Thursday, and I love how engaging, funny, and educational the episodes are. Your kids won't even realize they're learning about math and problem solving. My son even said he wanted to finish the episode on our drive home from school. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. The other thing that people felt guilty about was feeling frustrated when your child is sick. Oh my gosh, my child is sick. And why am I feeling upset that they're sick? Okay. This can come from work obligations. This can come from all the things that happen when they're sick, you know, changes in sleep behavior, you knowing that you may not sleep, being fatigued, feeling stressed that you're going to get sick or feeling upset that you're maybe your partner is sick and having guilt about that. Remember that it's okay to feel frustrated, but we have to see what is it? If you're stressed about work, so just say your child gets sick and all of a sudden the first thing you think about is work. And I've been there. The worst employers are not going to be understanding. Do you like your job? Is your job stressful? Is that why you're stressed? Because you feel like you're going to let people down, but your family is really important, right? Your child is really important. They should come first. It's a reality that that is what's most important in our lives. The people that we are closest to. So if you're constantly being stressed about work, I want you to step back and think, is this a sign to maybe consider finding a more flexible job in your industry or switching industries? Is your employer supportive of this? Because if your employer was supportive, you probably won't feel the guilt or the stress or anything like that. But if you're feeling like you get no sick days that your employer does not care that your child is in childcare, is this worth the stress for you? You have to think about the big picture and use this experience, your kid being sick, as an understanding of a bigger change that you may need to make in your life. Again, long-term thoughts here. Now, if you're worried about your own health, right? The guilt of feeling frustrated when your child's sick because you're like, oh my God, I'm going to get sick. This is natural, but focus on what you can do. What I do is I go to bed as early as possible so that I can rest. Meaning I know that my son may be getting up because he's sick, but I make sure that if I normally go to bed 11, I'm trying to go to bed by 10 o'clock, even earlier so that I can rest my body. It's been a long day taking care of a sick kid. He may wake up. I need to get my rest. So go to bed as early as possible. Drink lots of fluids to stay hydrated. And this can also help keep your mucous membranes moist, you know, keep from viruses sticking anywhere that they need to stick. Focus on breathing and stress reduction. And honestly, hope for the best. And don't expect doom for yourself either. When my son is sick, sometimes I get sick, sometimes I don't. You know, it's all of our immune systems too, but I don't automatically think, oh my God, I'm going to get sick. I'm going to be like, okay, I'm going to rest. I'm going to drink a lot of water. I drink my golden milk, which I've talked about on my Instagram page. And I take it easy and understand that I'm doing my best. I can't now avoid 
me getting sick if he coughed in my face, right? And the last area of when people feel guilt when their child is sick or just around illness in general is feeling guilt at your partner because you are upset at them when they get sick. And if this is happening to you, if you are upset with your partner, have resentment towards them when they're ill, I need you to really step back and ask yourself, do you feel that they are helping out normally? Sometimes we feel resentful to our partners when they're sick because we feel that they're not carrying their own weight normally. So illness is almost like something we perceive as a break for them so that you feel like you are having to do all the work and that maybe you had to take care of the child while you were sick and your partner didn't have to. And then now you're doing all the work while they're sick as well. Like you don't have that extra pair of hands. So when everyone is healthy, it's important to have a conversation about the workload in the home, resentment, and also ways to support the primary caregiver, because there tends to be someone who's more of the primary caregiver, the one that does more of the meals and the shopping and the child rearing stuff. So this may or may not be you, but it's important to have these healthy conversations if you're finding yourself being upset at your partner when they're sick. Another big area of frustration, sadness, guilt with illness is missing out on activities or canceled plans. Now, this was a big comment. And let me tell you, it sucks. I'm not going to lie. It sucks, especially for so many of you listening who have done nothing for the entire pandemic or for like a year, right? No birthday parties, no trips for so long. Ryan's entire first two years of life, it was only preschool or school, but nobody was having birthday parties or other events. We didn't travel like we thought we would. The pandemic put a wrench in all of our plans. So looking forward to giving your child social activities and then having illnesses It really sucks, you know, canceled parties, canceled flights. I've been there too many times and we've had to cancel so many trips over the last two years, especially in the last year, everything has been open, but because of IVF and Ryan's illness or my husband getting ill with some random like kidney stone or something, it sucks to have to cancel plans and you pay money, you do all these things, you look forward to these activities. Some reframing here and some things that I want to remind you. You have to tell yourself, I couldn't control this. I didn't know I wanted to go to this birthday party or this event or this trip and I couldn't control it. And that's okay. We have a lifetime of travel. We have a lifetime of birthday parties. We will get to go to all of these events and go back to what I said earlier in this episode about when your child is healthy, don't live in that fear cycle of, well, I don't want to go to an event because I don't want to get sick because then you're missing out on those moments and activities that you are capable and able to go to. So tell yourself, I'm going to do this activity. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to hope for the best. And yes, I hope that people will keep their kids or themselves home if they're not feeling well or, you know, they're acutely febrile but it's okay to enjoy the activities when you are healthy. Take that weekend trip. If everyone is healthy, book something last minute. If everyone is healthy, we did this. We had to cancel a plan that we had because of IVF. Okay. This has nothing to do with these repetitive illnesses, but we had to cancel because of some scheduling snafu. And I was devastated. My husband was devastated. My parents were supposed to come with me on this trip. We had to cancel. And It was what it was. I happened to get the travel insurance because I don't normally do this, but we did. And then we just booked a last minute redo of that trip when we were able to. It was a week before and we're like, why don't we go? And it was not peak season to the Bahamas. And we went and it was an amazing trip. We were all healthy. We enjoyed it. So take that last minute trip, book a flight or trip last minute when healthy, celebrate the healthy moments and go. We tend to not want to enjoy when healthy out of the fear of illness and danger and danger and the red lights that are flashing. 
but then we're not living. You're missing out on all of the healthy birthday parties and activities that make life very special. So enjoy these activities because I get it. Sometimes we have to say no. Sometimes we're going to miss out and that is okay because other events will come. We will miss some events sometimes and it stings and the constant plans being canceled sucks too. I mean, feeling like we're letting others down or letting your child down if they really wanted to do something. But life is full of unplanned detours and our children will understand that too. But our health matters most, right? We have to rest our bodies if we're sick and we plan something when better and it's okay to make a promise to your child if they're disappointed with canceled plans. A promise of perhaps blowing out a cake at home if they missed a birthday. So we couldn't go to a birthday party that Ryan was really looking forward to for a classmate. And he was so sad. And you know, I thought to myself, okay, what do we want to do here? And I was actually really looking forward to his birthday too, because I love kids' birthdays. I don't know why, but I do. And so I made some muffins and I put a candle in it and we sang happy birthday to his friend, even though he was not there. And we blew out the candles. Reschedule a trip when it's feasible. Cancellations happen in life. And if you can take it in stride, so will your child. So those were some very common things that people had said, you know, why illnesses make them so frustrated. Now let's get back to the principles I mentioned to navigate all of this, being mindful, focus on what you can control and be hopeful. So be mindful. Mindfulness goes back to focusing on the now. So instead of Googling at 2 a.m., put your phone off, and rest. This will help your immune system and be ready if your child needs you because we know nighttime wakings happen when your child is sick. Limit any mental distractions while your child is sick so you can be fully present. This means random texts, going on the internet, checking the news, things that really aren't helping you at that moment besides what your child needs. And part of being mindful is knowing when to be concerned. And this education is hopefully coming from a reputable place like your pediatrician that you trust. And I hope accounts like mine that can help guide you on these things. But it also comes down to thanking yourself and your gut and your intuition and knowing that you are a great parent and your child is lucky to have you. It also comes down to knowing risk, understanding that yes, illness is a threat, but getting ill does not mean automatic hospitalization or death, that spiral that so many people go down. This is not to undermine those who have been hospitalized or have lost their lives because of illnesses or tragedy. But it's to have some hope if you find yourself in these moments, because we do see positive outcomes. We do see kids heal. We see humans heal. And when you start to focus on that energy, it can be very helpful to get you through the process and be mindful as you navigate these difficult moments. Focus on what you can control. That's the second portion of what I want to talk about. We know we cannot control every aspect of our life or our child's life. Accepting the limits of control and taking the actions that can be pursued is a very important concept. So although we might not be able to control everything, we can recognize the importance of taking steps to minimize risk. So in setting of health and safety, doing our best to reduce risk with seatbelts, car seats, vaccinations, and the education we do have. And tell yourself this when you feel that guilt or that doubt creeps in. I'm a great parent. My life is abundant. My child's life is abundant. I am doing my best and my child is doing their best. And the last portion is being hopeful. This is hard for many people and it's trained to find hope. Even harder finding hope in dire situations. I remember when Ryan got his stroke diagnosis at four days old, four days When most people are working on feeding and figuring out, well, how do we change a diaper? I'm now having to deal with my child has a stroke and has seizures. Where do we go from here? 
The neurologist said that they had no clue how he would respond and what his outcome would be because the area of stroke research is still ever evolving. We didn't know if Ryan would ever talk or walk. So at four days old, I was faced with two choices. I would spend my entire life with Ryan worrying and missing out on being present with him as he grows whatever trajectory that looked. Or I would be in the moment, engage with him, be the parent that I know I can be for him, be hopeful, play with him and just love him and know what signs I'm looking for in his development. Know when to reach out for help. Be mindful in being in the moment, but know when and if more is needed. Same thing goes for illnesses. And the hope was huge, you know, hope that why can't we have good outcomes? Why not us? Hope doesn't automatically mean things will work out, but it sure is better than feeling like there's going to be dread and things are not going to work out for you. So I surrounded myself with uplifting realists, people who knew how difficult illness and health issues were but also could offer emotional support. So people who aren't, you know, toxic positivity, like, don't worry, it's not a big deal. No, it is a big deal. My child is sick or my child has this health issue, but I'm going to support you through it. You're going to get through it. I wanted to surround myself with success stories of kids who've had strokes and have made strides. Hope just makes you feel better. Hope makes you more mindful so that you can do what is needed for yourself or your child while you all are healing. Whether that's healing at home from a virus or healing in a hospital with the help of modern medicine. Hope is essential. And also when you see hope work, you'll believe in its power more and more and you'll do it more and it'll be that cycle of positivity that I talk about. It does help. If anything, it helps your mindset as you tackle difficult times. As we navigate the fall and winter illnesses and beyond or whenever you're listening to this, remember that as humans, none of us are immune to suffering. But as humans, we have the incredible privilege of being able to control how we approach situations. We have so much power over our minds. Number one, focus on the good. Fear causes us to notice and remember negative events, which reinforces our sense that the world is a scary, terrible place, but it actually has a lot of beauty. It actually has a lot of hope. We can work to change that by deliberately noticing what is positive, even in the toughest of situations, the joy we feel when we see someone we love, when your child is laughing, when someone is healed from harm and the humor in a situation. Sometimes it's okay to laugh at the ridiculousness of the situation that you're in. I've been there and it helps. I remember when Ryan was having these back-to-back illnesses, my husband and I would just laugh. We're like, how is this even possible? Like, is this real life? And we would just laugh. And it was a coping mechanism, right? Humor and laughter is a healthy coping mechanism. When we are able to let our feelings out and say, I'm going through a really hard time and I will get through it. And then you start to notice the good. We respect our really human feelings, but then we also program our brains to notice good. So if your child is sick and you are frustrated and tired and worried about it all, feel the feelings, but also tell yourself, what are the good things right now? Number one, maybe you're spending one-on-one time with your little one. Number two, maybe you're seeing them persevere and you're seeing things about their character or their behavior that you haven't noticed before because you've been busy with work or household chores or whatever. Three, you are persevering through this hard time. Four, maybe it was the kind doctor or nurse who helped you. Finding good may seem hard in tough situations, but it is possible. I still remember when I was in the ICU, I was not sure what was my outcome going to be. What was my son's outcome going to be? What's going to happen? But I would find beauty in very small things. One of the biggest things I remember is finding beauty in the rain. I was so 
mesmerized by rain and I've seen rain before, but I was like, wow, I'm so grateful to be alive right now. Even though I'm in a hospital bed and a nurse is cleaning my butt, I am grateful that I get to see this rain. I'm grateful that maybe I can go in my wheelchair outside and smell freshly cut grass. These moments that you are celebrating the good can really help you cycle good because life is unpredictable. And it's this skill of finding good, even in tough situations that can make you able to handle life's unpredictable events. Feel your feelings and choose to see the good, even when it can be hard. Number two, you focused on the good. Now you want to not avoid your worries. If you're finding that you are unable to sleep, go out of your home and do activities of daily living. We need you to have mental health support. Remember, this is for your benefit. Don't avoid the feelings when they are becoming all consuming. Remember, this is not only for your family's benefit, but for you to have continued work to break through the anxiety when anxiety is not working for you and it's working against you. And the most important thing when you're finding yourself in these cycles of illnesses and worry and frustration and guilt, give yourself some compassion for your feelings, the guilt, the frustration, the worry. Don't beat yourself up for feeling these feelings. It's so important that we recognize all the feelings that we have surrounding something that stresses us out. This is what the Finding Joy series is all about. So if you're feeling guilt, if you're feeling the frustration, if you're feeling worried about your child being sick, use the strategies that I mentioned in this episode to reframe, get through these moments and come out on the other side stronger. It doesn't mean that every time your child is sick, you're going to be this miraculous human that doesn't feel feelings. No, it's going to mean that you will recognize the feelings as normal and be able to process it quicker so that you can be be more mindful and you can all heal together. I hope this episode made you feel less alone. I hope that it made you understand that you are not alone in the struggles that we face as parents, especially as mothers. I know a lot of mothers are listening to this podcast. Remember, if you found this episode helpful, leave a review, call out this episode on the review and the Finding Joy series. If you love it, share it with a friend or on social media and tag me. I know we are going to get through the season. I know it may be tough. I know when your child gets sick, it's not easy. I know that when your child goes through anything difficult, it is never something that we want to happen. But I also know that it is part of life, that there is going to be ups and downs, that it's part of our human experience. And when we can get through it together with some reframing and and some hope, it can make everything so much better. Thank you for joining me and I'm wishing you all health and healing this season and beyond. And I can't wait to join you for another episode of the Finding Joy series. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. As always, please leave a review, share this episode with a friend, share it on your social media. Make sure to follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Pete's Doc Talk TV. We'll talk to you soon. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not gonna tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. 
It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free.